Welcome to life on earth. Welcome to life on earth. Welcome to life on earth. Well, hello, you good people. Welcome to Life on Earth for January 19, 2023. And I am eager. I am eager and inviting audience participation on this episode. I see Robin's already in the chat. I've also been asking online, I want to know. I want to know what overwhelms you. I want to know what gives you awe and frizzing, goosebumps, the feeling of wonder. Now, I've talked about concepts that are maybe a little woo, at least how they're used in the general populace, in the non-objectivist community, and how we should own these concepts. And if anybody should own awe, it should certainly be the students of Ayn Rand. If anyone should own the concept of awe, it should be us. Now, I want to know what gives you that sense of wonder? What gives you the sense of awe? But we need to talk about, well, well, what is it? If you do put it in the chat, consider putting in a super chat. If you want to support the Ayn Rand Center UK, you'll also find a link at the top of the chat to become a member of the Ayn Rand Center UK. So please consider doing that as well. Now, in a research article, Oh, in the chat, they're asking me new hat. No, but I don't think I've ever worn it on this show before. So thanks for asking. In a research article in the Journal of Positive Psychology entitled Awe and the Interconnected Self, Susan Chen and Miriam Mongrain describe five types, five categories of awe. Now, list these real quick, and then we'll know what we're talking about. So, number one, the number one experience. In a list of five, I don't think it's the first and foremost, just the first one is fear and threat, like a huge tornado or a deadly tsunami. Number two, hmm, the supernatural, an angel, a ghost. Now, this is interesting because when Leonard Peikoff talked about awe, he mentioned the definition of awe as fearful veneration or adoration. So certainly the supernatural and fear and threats would do that. But number three, and now we get into the categories we care about. Number three, beauty. Like you visit a you know, tulip farm or, or a monarch butterfly migration. Number four, the ability and talent of a virtuoso or, or a prodigy. Think a musician or a chess prodigy. And number five, Virtue and moral goodness. For example, a highly compassionate teacher or doctor. Well, I think we'll expand that a bit. But what's the common denominator? To be amazed and even overwhelmed by what is around you. To experience wonder. To be overwhelmed. You know, when we find ourselves saying inconceivable. To be awestruck. Now, in Jason Silva's YouTube short, incidentally, all of the videos and other resources I'll be talking about are all uh, covered on my Facebook wall. There is a list of links on my say. I always say the list of links associated with the show are really good. This time they are awesome. And no, I'm not misusing that word. There is an awesome list of links, facebook.com slash Robert Naser, for everything we'll talk about. And this won't be that long. I'll try to make it quick. But Jason Silva, in his short, on YouTube describes awe as an experience of such perceptual vastness that you literally have to reconfigure your mental models 
of the world to assimilate it. That sounds a little bit exaggerated, but maybe not. See, I think of this as, to use technical language, having your mind blown, you know, shocking you out of your senses, not literally, but, you know, in the sense of having to radically change your mental state. So Silva points this out. He says, once we create a comfort zone, oh, we've talked about comfort zones. Once we create a comfort zone, we rarely step outside of that comfort zone. But the consequence of that is a phenomenon known as hedonic adaptation. Well, hedonic hedonism, hedonic adaptation, it's comfort. It is that we, 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 the, uh, we go back to what's comfortable. Uh, the regression to the mean, to the average, to the usual. And the average might be great, but it is the average. When we experience places, when you go out and you experience things, or people who are being or doing things that are you know, too vast to comprehend, well, it forces a change in your state, forces a change in my state. So you have these five flavors of awe, threat, beauty, ability, virtue, a sense of the supernatural. And these necessarily stretch us. And we want that. So Docker Keltner, here we have the book I was working on this week. Docker Keltner and his fellow researchers expand these five categories to eight wonders of life. In this book, Ah, oh, the New Science of Everyday Wonder and How It Can Transform Your Life. No, you don't need to look it up right now. It is in the show notes. Take a look at it afterwards. And the eight wonders of life that they describe are strength, courage, and kindness of others. So that matches with moral beauty, our five-point list. Number two, collective movement or effervescence. Now we got to talk about that. Collective effervescence think a uh, rock concert or a dance exhibition or sports. Number three, nature. We certainly experience awe in nature. We look at, you know, a sequoia, a redwood tree, and we think that is beautiful, but impossibly large or impossibly beautiful. It overwhelms us. We have to think twice. Number four, music. Number five, art. Interesting to separate those out. Number six, mystical encounters, as in religious experiences. Well, we're not religious, but we can find analogs of that too. Seven, encountering life and death. <sighs> big issues, certainly fill us with awe in some ways. And number eight, finally, big ideas or epiphanies. Don't we just have epiphany on the sixth? So in that first category, moral beauty, heroism, kindness, think of this. Think of TV commercials. We get a lot of these around the Super Bowl in the United States. Think of the kind of TV commercials that get you choked up, bring a tear to your eye, or, or get you really, really inspired, but that overwhelm you, and you feel it viscerally. If you have any of those that come to mind, share them in the chat. And regarding both virtuosity, you know, and the skill of musicians or, or sports athletes, and this so-called collective effervescence, well, follow the links in the show notes afterward to listen to Tara Smith's talk, Sport as an Arena for Admiration. 
or you could listen to Yaron Burke's recent episode explaining values and virtues through sport. This collective effervescence, this is powerful stuff. And it might seem counterintuitive to an individualist. You know, Keltner includes the example of religion and religious ceremonies, but also you know, rock concerts, orchestral performances, dance exhibitions, and again, team sports. Yes, we are all individualists, but it would be wrong to suggest that that precludes the awe-inspiring experiences of attending and participating in games and musical performances and art exhibitions and rallies and speeches and other events like the Marche du Nain Rouge in Detroit, where we all get together to defeat the Red Dwarf, who is keeping Detroit down. Long story there. But this concept of collective effervescence, of being around fans of something that you have good reason to be fans of, the awe-inspiring power of interacting with kindred spirits. Get a little bit of that in the chat here. But seriously, you go to a game, you go to a rock concert of people who love a band, and you can tell they love it for the same reasons you do. Collective effervescence. Now, Keltner writes about wealth versus awe. Hmm. And how for some people, being wealthy and therefore having most of your needs satisfied you know, means missing out on experiences and, and group activities and participating in experiences larger than yourself, bigger than you. You know, but the, this is, at most, this is a failure mode to avoid. You know, most of the wealthy people I know, probably most of the wealthy people you know, they don't make this mistake. They are more engaged, not less so, and more open to experiences of awe and wonder. So for those of you who aren't yet wealthy or are in other ways, you know, embracing your potential, experiences of awe, experiences which expand our idea of what's possible out there, even to the point of being upsetting or unsettling, this can't possibly be real. Most of our limitations are self-imposed. So awe can lead us to realize or remember, if this amazing thing is possible, anything can happen. You can do the thing. So sounds good, but what does this mean concretely? First off, I want to recommend Andy Clarkson's paper, Exalted Moments, the Hidden Jewel of Objectivism. Now, Andy reminds us in the language of the fountainhead that life has or, or should have stops. You know, in fact, our lives should be filled with these exalted moments. When first time we talked about awe, I read a uh, quote from the fountainhead here. I'll read it again. This is Gail Winant and Howard Rourke talking. And Gail Winant says, it's strange. I am the most offensively possessive man on earth. I do something to things. Let me pick up an ashtray from a dime store counter, pay for it and put it in my pocket, and it becomes a special kind of ashtray, unlike anything on earth, because it's mine. It's an extra quality in the thing, like a sort of halo. I feel that about everything I owned, from my from the bat, excuse me, from my overcoat 
to the oldest linotype in the composing room, to the copies of the banner on newsstands, to this penthouse, to my wife. And I've never wanted to own anything as much as I want this house you're going to build for me, Howard. I will probably be jealous of Dominique living in it. I can be quite insane about things like that. And yet, I don't feel that I'll own it. Because no matter what I do or say, it's still yours. It will always be yours. Well, it has to be mine, said Rourke. But in another sense, Gail, you own that house and everything else I've built. You own every structure you stopped before and heard yourself answering. In what sense? In the sense of that personal answer. What you feel in the presence of a thing you admire is just one word. Yes. The affirmation, the acceptance, the sign of admittance. And that yes is more than an answer to one thing. It's a kind of amen to life, to the earth that holds this thing, to the thought that created it, to yourself for being able to see it. But the ability to say yes or no is the essence of all ownership. It's your ownership of your own ego, your soul, if you wish. Your soul has a single basic function, the act of valuing. Yes or no. I wish or I do not wish. You can't say yes without saying I. There's no affirmation without the one who affirms. In this sense, everything to which you grant your love is yours. And Gail Whining replies, in this sense, you share things with others? No, it's not sharing. When I listen to a symphony I love, I don't get from it what the composer got. His yes was different than mine. And he could have no concern for mine and no exact conception of it. That answer is too personal to each man. But in giving himself what he wanted, he gave me a great experience. I'm alone when I design a house, Gail, and you can never know the way in which I own it. But if you said your own amen to it, it's also yours. And I'm glad it's yours. Ah, scene gets me, but it also makes the point. And part of what I'm saying is you want things to get you. You want things to get to you. So definitely read that essay by Andy Clarkson, Exalted Moments, The Hidden Jewel of Objectivism. Link to that, of course, in the show notes for this episode. Art, literature, painting, music, dance, and yes, sports. Remind us to make our lives extraordinary. A quote from Henry Miller. At the moment one gives close attention to anything, even a blade of grass, it becomes a mysterious, awesome, indescribably magnificent world in itself. One of the common denominators to these definitions of Awe is vastness, largeness. But even the tiniest thing can be a cause of wonder. More on that in a moment. It, is, it reminds us when we look out at what is out there, what is possible, what blows our minds, 
that at the same time, everything is finite. Every one of your days matters. So for a shortcut to awe, to wonder, to overwhelm, find, find that music that brings a tear to your eye, that makes you cry. Make a list of it, a list of all the music you can call upon, a jar of inspired moments. You know, for more tips on that, we have an episode of Five Minutes with Robert and Amy Naser called Tears of Splendor, What's Your Overwhelm? And it doesn't have to be literal crying, you know, goosebumps will do, frizzen, shivers, but it should be visceral, overwhelming your default state of mind, but also felt in your body. And awe provides ambition and inspiration. Awe leaves you feeling, I want more of this. I want bigger. I want better. I want to experience better. I want to do better. I want to be better. And on the subject of exalted moments, awe too, it, like art, is an end in itself. I'm just going to switch for a moment here to Facebook because we had a couple of answers to the question, what brings you awe? Now, Robin in the chat says, I think most situations where I feel awe is seeing something amazing that has been produced or getting to know amazing people. I know that feeling. I experience that feeling too. Although I would say a lot of times it's admiration, but not necessarily awe. Sometimes your admiration is overwhelming. It is a case of awe, but that's what we're talking about here. Um, online, Amanda says skyscrapers, advancements in technology, overtime goals, or touchdown runs. Amanda is a big, big sports fan. It brings to mind Ayn Rand talking to Phil Donahue. Phil Donahue in, in the interview, it's linked in the chat or in the uh, show notes, said to Ayn Rand, Phil Donahue says, Aren't you really? Aren't you really filled with wonder when you look up at the stars? And Ayn Rand answered, no. Excuse me. And she said, I don't like to look at them. I love this earth. You know, when I'm filled with wonder, when I look at skyscrapers, at the man-made, at what men were able to achieve on their own, it's a great interview, worth watching. But yeah, speaking to Robin and Amanda there, certainly. Uh, productions of Men's Skyscrapers. Frances Francesca says, babies, fine art, beautiful women, a nice view, really, really big things. Well, that speaks to the idea of the vastness of, of awe. Simple and elegantly presented arguments. That's interesting because we'll get to heroism here. And colorful natural symmetries. And he goes on, major scientific and technological achievements, acts of courage and heroism. Well, there's moral beauty as discussed by, uh, by the researchers in the initial paper. Uh, and feats of strength or great skill, good. Uh, Felipe says, wow moments are when I learned something new from someone which was all around me and I could not grasp explicitly before. I like that reflection where not just learning something new, but it was there the whole time, but it took that person's wisdom to bring it to me. That's great. 
or a good art which reflects my values, or watching my kids growing. Love that. For more on kids, see the episode yesterday of James Valiant and I talking about Ayn Rand and kids. And he goes on, or achievement of others which I never imagined possible. Outstanding. Uh, Wendy goes right to the artist and says, seeing my favorite musical artists perform live. I've got to say, a strong recommendation of mine is that, you know, the older I've gotten, the more I like watching concerts at home. You, you can watch them online or get a DVD and watch these great musical concerts. And you don't have to go to a venue. You don't have to drive to a stadium. You don't have to go through the ticket process and deal with all the crowds and all this stuff. And what I'm realizing is, yeah, but it's not the same. It's not that collective exuberance of being surrounded by fans and the lights and it's louder, but you could do all of that at home. No, it's a different experience. So I absolutely agree with Wendy. Seeing my favorite musical artists perform live. Lori says, beauty, useful invention, and the effective relation of truth by anyone. She put effective in italics, which is no mean feat on Facebook. She meant to really make that stand out. The effective relation of truth by anyone, especially some truths that the current GLM government lapdog media worked assiduously to suppress. Well, that kind of inspiration is certainly, uh, or excuse me, that kind of independence is certainly inspirational. Could be awe-inspiring. Uh, Ryan says, Topad, Topaz Labs AI fills me with wonder and awe. Certainly, the current uh, breakthroughs in AI are, are, are awesome and um, arguably unsettling in some ways. But yes, absolutely, absolutely awesome. Thank you for that input there. Uh, Kindred Amy, somebody I think I know who has now been a member and for eight months on the YouTube channel says, excellent thoughts, so important to experience and relish moments of meaning. Meaning. Well, let's get to meaning and purpose. Oh, incidentally, Scott in the chat says, as an engineer, I am awestruck by recent advancements such as chat GTP. So we're back to AI. Absolutely. Advancements in understanding of genetics and biology and Boston Dynamics Atlas Robot, and SpaceX. The Boston Dynamics videos have been going around again. It's kind of jaw-dropping what they've got their robots doing these days. In the end, Dr. Keltner, again, the author of Awe, the New Science of Everyday Wonder and How It Can Transform Your Life, he answers the question, why awe? And his answer resonates with me. He states, we, all of us, are presently suffering from a cultural malaise. Now, I disagree with him about some of the specifics. If you choose to purchase the book, know that as much as I'm enjoying the book and I've gotten a lot out of it, I wouldn't give it a wholesale endorsement on philosophical grounds. But, for example, for Keltner, the symptoms of the cultural malaise he talks about include self-focus, greed, Materialism, anomie, the failing of the usual social or ethical standards, stress, okay, narrow thought, always a questionable concept, and underperforming health. But for every one of those 
questionable concerns, they can all be understood in a way that is not self-abnegating. We all know people who, you know, in my words, get selfishness wrong and are clearly undeniably unhappy as a result. So let's consider the positives, the reasons to understand and embrace and create experiences which fill us with awe and wonder and inspiration and overwhelm. The reasons, his positive reasons are right on the money. So specifically, he lists expanded self. Well, yeah, if that's, if that's his answer to what he's calling uh, self-focus, expanded self, that's good. It's good to have an expanded self versus somebody who would say the alternative is altruism or focus on other people. He says, we are each capable of far more than we realize. And this is true. We are capable of being held in wonder, in awe of what's out there, of what's possible, of what people we admire, people we love are doing. And that can help us combat complacency and self-limiting beliefs. Said before, and I'll say it again, you, you, the guy I'm pointing the finger at right now, you are capable of far more than you realize. All of us are. So yes, expanded self. Okay. Generosity. Well, as objectivists, one of the great things about a philosophy of success, a philosophy of life on earth, is that it makes true kinship possible and desirable. In a society in which values are primary and men are free, goodwill is the default and kindness and generosity are easy. Number three, purpose. Well, the purpose of life on earth is to enjoy life on earth, to achieve the kind of values that make the most of your time, your energy, your resources. And being awestruck is ironically the best reminder that everything is finite. Your time is limited invaluable and irreplaceable. When we experience moments that transcend the ordinary and the mundane, we crave, we're motivated to live at that level. I want to be like my heroes out, whether it's on the football field or the concert stage or the scientists who are making fusion happen. I want to live at that level. I want a life that transcends the ordinary, the mundane. Awestruck experiences can give us that. Number four, perspective and creativity. At any given moment, at any given moment, right now we have virtually endless options. But all too often, all we can see is what is already at hand. That's the great thing about taking vacations as they shake us out of this, this tunnel vision. Not the way disasters do, but in the way that inspirational art does, or speeches, or athletic performances. You know, vacations, time away, time away from the ordinary. They show us not something worse than ordinary life, but something better, bigger, more interesting, more compelling, more exciting, more enriching. They remind us that the vast majority of our limitations are self-imposed. The vast majority of our limitations are self-imposed. And number five, he talks about robust health. 
you know, one of the worst things about retirement is that without a reason to wake up early and get moving at 6 a.m. every day, you know, too many of us simply don't. You know, when you're working, rest is a luxury. And when we treat it as anything but a luxury, when we become complacent, it's a killer. So regularly experiencing not just inspiration, but above and beyond, regularly experiencing awe, wonder, delight, being shocked out of our senses, our habits, our complacency, this is crucial. And it's even better than the workday whistle. Uh, I always think of the whistle at the beginning and the end of the workday on the Flintstones. We need, we need that. I like that. Expanded health, kindness, benevolence, and generosity, purpose and intention, perspective and creativity, and robust health. That's a pretty good list of effects. For me, it all adds up to capitalizing on our capacity for awe for wonder, for overwhelm, for passion. Before I wrap, if you've got a passion for the Ayn Rand Center UK, you know what to do. Become a member, make any contributions you like, put in a super chat. Love to see a couple of dollars come in this afternoon. Thank you for the comments that are already out there. Don't think I missed any. Hopefully I didn't miss any. Love your examples of what brings you awe, overwhelm, shivers, frisson. Love that. For me, again, it all adds up to capitalizing on our capacity. We have a capacity for awe. We have a capacity to be overwhelmed. We have a capacity for wonder and delight and passion. And if anybody should be experiencing that, who should it be? It should be the fans of Ayn Rand, the advocates of her philosophy. To take this very finite, limited, invaluable, and irreplaceable time we've got, and to remember, do not forget to do and be and live the very best we can. So thank you for listening. Now, get out there. Oh, I've got a question. Is there going to be a clubhouse afterward? Yeah, I haven't set it up, but I will do a clubhouse afterward. Join me. Talk back on clubhouse. But for now, thank you for listening. I want you to get out there. I want you to find something in science, in art, in sports, in music, in nature, in romance that will wow you. Something that will astound you. Something that will overwhelm you, that will knock your socks off. And have an awesome, awe-filled life on earth.